Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How's everyone doing today? Good to see you. We are on week two of Axe to Grind. My name is Matt Scobell. I am the online campus pastor. Before we dive into it, let me give a shout out to all of our campuses from north to south, Garfield Park, Banta, Greenwood, Franklin, Seymour, all of our e-microsites, Terre Haute, shout out to you guys at the Quality Inn right now and the online campus. You guys are my favorite don't tell anyone about that. But last week, Pastor Aaron kicked off the series in style. It was an incredible message about a victor mentality or a victim mentality. If you missed that, go to our YouTube channel and check that out. Well, we're kind of wrapping a bow around this series with this definition of what it is for an axe to grind. So this is an issue that needs to be eliminated or changed in our lives so that we can experience an abundant life that God has for us. You'll see abundant life. We talk about it all the time here at Emmanuel Church. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But you've heard people also say, I just have an ax to grind, and then they just go off, right? Well, I have three axes to grind. One is biblical, two are not. But I need a little crowd participation to make sure that I am not crazy, all right? So I have an ax to grind, Okay, and if you agree with me, I need you to raise your hand online, put a little hand emoji in the chat or something, all right? So I have an axe to grind with people who text rather than pick up the phone to call. Yeah, oh yeah, I got it, yeah. Everyone over the age of 50 raised their hand. It's fine, I got a buddy, he'll text me and we're like 15 minutes, I'm like, dude, we could have had that conversation in two minutes, like, come on, let's get it going. All right, I got one more and then we'll move on to more serious topic, gas prices. Thank you, yes. Unless you drive a Tesla, you probably didn't raise your hand and we're all jealous. But it's like 50 bucks to fill up my wife's Prius. Like, that's just un-American. So I do have an ax to grind. And I believe that if you change or eliminate this in your life, it will change your life forever and you will live an abundant life. Here is my ax to grind. Our mental mess. We are a mess mentally. As a society, I don't think anyone in the room is like, no, I disagree with that. I think we're doing great. Like, we are a mess. But here's the deal. Culture is speaking into our mental mess. You have maybe even said this. I'm going to take a mental health day today. Anyone ever said that? My mom works for a company. They actually give her comp time for mental health days. Did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? Mental Health Awareness Month for the whole month of May. You may know this amazing woman. Her name is Simone Biles. She's a four-time gold medalist, a gymnast. And she made the news, actually, this time last year at the Tokyo Olympics. She had seven events. She sat out of six of them. You know why? She said her mental health wasn't right. And so we applaud that. And I applaud her. That's awesome. Here's the deal. This is why it's my axe to grind. Culture is speaking into our mental health. It is trying to give us the tools to battle for our mental health. But the big C church should be the loudest voice in the room. 
When I say Big C Church, I'm not just talking about Emmanuel Church. I'm talking about the global church. We should be the loudest voice in the room giving you tools to win the battle for your mental health. As I was doing research for this topic, mental, uh, mental health, I came across this book written by Dr. Caroline Leaf. I have another book for her. She's one of my favorite authors. She's a communication pathologist. She's a neuroscientist. She's a believer. She has a podcast. She's an author. She's amazing, okay? Pick up this book. She wrote this book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So you're like, isn't that the title of our axe to grind? Yes, I'm not that creative. So, yes, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. This is what she says about our mental health right now in America. This blew my mind. For the first time in decades, the trend of people living longer has been reversed. I didn't even know that. People are sicker and dying younger despite all the advances we have made in medicine and technology. And for the first time in modern human history, people are dying younger than their predecessors from preventable lifestyle diseases. Not only are we experiencing pandemics, climate change and exposure to pollutions harmful to our health, but more and more people are dying from despair. How sad that is. Like our mental health is literally killing us. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna hone in on one aspect of mental health. Like we could go down a bunch of different avenues. And I wanna talk about this aspect of mental health, anxiety. Like I say that word, and some of us, myself included, your chest gets a little bit tight. Like, you know exactly how that feels. So here's why I want to talk about anxiety. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. today. How about this statistic? Anxiety has tripled over the pandemics. Like, so who we were in 2020 is not who we were in 2022, and you know it. If you've been on an airplane, you know that to be true. So how many of you have teenagers that live in your house? So maybe it's parents or grandparents. Raise your hand. Okay, I'm about to give you a statistic and it's, your child is going to make a lot more sense and probably going to give you a little bit more empathy. This is from Psychology Magazine today. The average high school student today, right now, has the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Process that. So I have two teenagers that live in my house, and I took my daughter, Olivia. We went out for coffee a couple months ago, and I get to teach in July, and I'm thinking about talking about this, and I'm thinking about this, and I said, I might even talk about anxiety, and she goes, oh, no, you have to talk about anxiety. I go, really? I didn't know you were that passionate about anxiety. She goes, literally everyone has anxiety, and I was like, okay. So according to my daughter, you have anxiety. So I have another conversation. I have a mentor, kind of like a life coach, that we do a Zoom call every uh, month. And his name's Mike Tooley. And we were talking through the research around anxiety. He has a lot of conversations with people in anxiety and the, in the work that he does. And he said this statement. And I was like, man, that is so good. I'm going to put it in my message. He said this. Anxiety is the great affliction of this age. Like you can just feel it. It's so true. So what is anxiety? Let's, let's just figure out what that is first. This is from American Psychological Association.org, APA.org. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. So here's what I think is really, really important first. It's an emotion. Like it's not simply an illness. It's not simply a disorder. It's actually an emotion given to us by God. So there's actually two types of anxiety. There's facilitating anxiety and there's debilitating anxiety. So facilitating anxiety will get you 
up for work tomorrow so that you can pay the bills. Facilitating anxiety helped me write this message. If I didn't have facilitating anxiety, I would stand up here and i go, so what would you like for me to talk about? And it would have been a giant waste of your time. So facilitating anxiety is good. When I was at boot camp in the Coast Guard, I remember our company commander, Fabo, he walked in and he goes, you will experience a lot of anxiety over the next eight weeks. It is a good thing. That is facilitating anxiety. It's growing you. But I want to talk about debilitating anxiety. To me, it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine. It's just like something isn't right. So let me tell you a little bit about my journey with my own mental health. There's probably nothing worse than having someone stand up here and talk about anxiety, and they've never experienced it. So I lived it uh, when I lived in Georgia. I actually grew up in the Greenwood area. I lived right off of County Line Road. 25 years ago, you probably saw me ride in my bike to Toys R Us on County Line Road, RIP Toys R Us, missed that place. But I grew up around here. And uh, my family, I, li- I moved when we were 17, and eventually I got married, and we lived in Georgia. Let me show you a picture of my family. The only reason I'm showing this, because they make me look way better than I am. So that is my daughter, Olivia. She's 16. She's a junior at Seymour High School. That's my wife, Sarah. That's Allie right there in the middle. She's in sixth grade. And then that is Abram. He is in ninth grade uh, at Seymour High School as well. And so when I moved down to Georgia in 2009, and God called me into ministry in 2013. And so I got to be in a part of an amazing church down there called Bethlehem Church, right outside the, uh, Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia Bulldog National Champions, any Bulldog fans in the house? You know, i just throwing it out there. They're really, really strange down there. If you say, like, go dogs in Athens, people just start barking at you. Weird. So strange. But anyways, I'm down there. We had so much fun. And I got to be a part of kind of like the grassroots growth of the church, Bethlehem Church. So they were, when I started, they were running about 800. They had 8,000 at Easter. So, and they have a few campuses. And so I was running small groups. I was running like impact team. And I was doing the pastor's research. And I'm running 100 miles an hour, but my soul's not healthy. And I hit a wall in 2015. And I remember telling my wife, I did not have anxiety before ministry. I do now. I'm getting out of ministry. And as I was thinking through this message, I wanted to kind of think back and look back of what that season of life looked like. And I have uh, something that I've been doing for about eight years now is I uh, do prayer journal. Like I, I have to write out my prayers because if not, I'm like, dear Lord, and then it's like squirrel, and I'm gone. So I have been writing out my prayers for eight years, and I found my journal from 2015. And so these are some of the, the things that I wrote in my journal. January 27th. I need you to take this anxiety away from me. I'm asking you and I'm begging you. This is February 17th, 2015. I pray your power over anxiety and fear. Here's September 25th, 2015. I'm getting so discouraged about my anxiety. I know it makes me cling to you. It's just tiring. I ask you to take away my anxiety. And I know probably some of you have probably written or said very similar things. And I remember I told my wife, I said, I'm getting out of ministry. I actually called my old boss in the corporate world. I said, will you please hire me back? And I even told him, I'm battling anxiety. I can't do this anymore. And he said, I'll I'll get back to you. And my wife, the wise woman that she is, she said, why don't you sit down and talk to a counselor before you quit ministry? And I kid you not, the next week at church, I ran into a counselor. His name is Dr. Ken Miller. And I sat down with him. In our first session, this is what I looked at him. I said, bro, I don't know if I said bro, but I said, Dr. Ken, I am just struggling with anxiety. Can you give me a pill 
or something to numb what I'm feeling right now because I can't keep moving on. And he said, we can go down the road of appeal, but I actually think that there's certain things that Scripture says that can actually give you complete freedom and healing. So what I want to do today is just kind of walk you through what Dr. Ken walked me through. And maybe you can find healing and find that abundant life. But before we do, anxiety showed up in my life in certain, in three ways. And maybe it shows up in your way as well. And here's the first way right here, fear of the future. I have been scared and fearful of everything. Ever since I can remember, scared of dying, scared of getting cancer, scared of being alone, scared of snakes. Like, I hate snakes. I can't even say the word snakes without getting shivers. I live on a farm in Seymour, and there's like a, there's a couple months ago, a garter snake went by, and I'm like, kill that thing. And my daughter, she's 11, she's like, it's a garter snake, Dad, relax. But I hate snakes. Only good snake is a dead snake. Absolutely, absolutely. You wanna know what the number one fear in America is? Public speaking. You know what's greater than dying? So people would rather be in a coffin than give a eulogy at a funeral. Like, do you hear how irrational that is? But when I look back at the fear, the things that I was consuming, the information in my mind, the music I listened to, the TV shows that I watched, I was constantly on the news. Like, I was always scrolling on Fox News or CNN. I was always on DrudgeReport.com. Don't go to that website. It's like all bad news in the world on one website. And I was always on it. And it just caused me to struggle. You know that we as Americans have grown in more anxiety for 80 straight years? 80 straight years, we've become more anxious. But think about it. We've had world wars, and we've had Vietnam, and we've had stock market collapse. We've had 9-11. We've had a great recession. We've had another stock market collapse. We've had a pandemic. But this is not a 20th century problem or 21st century problem, the, the feelings of fear and anxiety that we live in. It actually is a human problem, and I'm going to show you where it all began. Genesis chapter 3. As Pastor Danny would like to say, boneheads, Adam and Eve, messed it all up for us, and they ate from the knowledge of tree of good and evil. And then this is what happened just a few verses later. He says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And this is Adam. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. There's fear. Because I was naked, there's shame, so I hid, and there's isolation and loneliness. Like you feel that, you see that. So all of our mental health problems began the beginning in Genesis chapter three. Here's the second thing that anxiety kept showing up in my life, lack of control. Like I realized I have no control over anything and neither do you. But you know how hard that is just to admit? Like I could raise my, parents, my kids to the best of my ability and guess what? They can make their own choices. You can work for a company for 35 years, you're five years from retirement, they could call you in tomorrow and they go, hey dude, we're doing layoffs, you're out. We really don't have control, and just knowing that we don't have control, the pandemic, did it not show you how little control we have? And here's the last thing, loss of identity. When people would say to me, so tell me who you are, like deep down, and I couldn't answer that, you know how much anxiety that gave me? But you know where I lost my anxiety the most? Your online campus pastor is about to go off on social media, social media. Like I would live on social media, why didn't they like that post? Like I'm really, really funny. Not that funny, obviously. <laughs> they had that vacation. Man, I wish I had that car. I wish I had that relationship. And it would just be one thing after another. So this was actually a three-hour message, but I couldn't do that. It went two and a half hours of it was just about social media, how bad it is for our mental health. I actually found an article that said, we know that social media is really bad for our mental health, so what should we do about it? And it's like, what do we do? 
You know that plastic surgeons have seen an uptick of people walking in with their filtered Snapchat and Instagram photos saying, make me look like this? Like, are you kidding me? Like, it is affecting our identity. You guys want to know how bad of parents Sarah and I are? We don't let our kids have social media in our house. Oh, I got one at four, one at nine, and a lot in here. I like the 11. But it, we just don't, like the anxiety and depression that is just attacking the next generation, man, it is killing them. So here's what I would say. I could tell you right now, get off of news. I could tell you, just, just understand you really don't have that much control. And I would say just limit your social media or get off it altogether, and your anxiety will be reduced. I 100% believe it. But I believe you can actually find complete freedom. So the Bible talks about anxiety. Jesus talked about anxiety. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 6, he spends 10% of the Sermon on the Mount talking about anxiety. Jesus. Peter, the rock that built this church, he talks about anxiety. And Paul talks about anxiety. Paul was a genius. He was a neuroscientist before that was a word. And I love his writings on anxiety. So let's just dive into it real quick. This is Philippians 4, and this is verse 6. So do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Paul just gave us the churchiest answer when it comes to anxiety. Are you ready? Pray about it. You're like, bro, that is a JV response to my varsity problem. Like, that is not enough. Here's what I would say to you. When it comes to anxiety and you praying about it, you have to trust the process of prayer. I think sometimes we go... It's like Aladdin and genie in a bottle. You rub it. God, take away my anxiety. Oh, nope, it's still there. I'm going to go do what I want. My son is 14, and he played football last year for Seymour Middle School. So what do you do? you got to start lifting weights. So we have a bench down in our basement. And what do we do? We walk down there first time. This is the first time he's lifting weights. We put the Olympic bar on this 45 pounds, and he throws it up once. This is what we do when it comes to prayer. It's like him hopping off and going, throw 345s on each side, that's 315, let's do this. And we don't trust the process. No, you gotta throw fives on each side. Then it's tens the next week. And you gotta grow into it, you gotta trust the process of prayer. But this is one of my favorite things about this verse. Every word is inspired in the word of God. This Thanksgiving right here, did you know that fear and thankfulness cannot coexist in the brain at the exact same time? Like, that was worth the price of admission today, was it not? So what happens is when I get fearful, all I do is just start thanking God for stuff. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for my food. Like, watch. So if you struggle with fear like I do, I just want this week, just start thanking God for stuff. All right, let's keep moving. Then he says this. I need you to remember some words, all right? I'm going to put you to work, all right? The peace. Everyone say peace. Isn't that such a beautiful word? The peace, what is that? That's a, that's a feeling of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. I'm gonna come back to this at the very end. Remember true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. Remember that think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. That practice is like, that's gonna be your behavior of what follows. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul just gave us the cure for anxiety. You ready for this? He's saying what you think about 
will lead to feelings, which is that peace there that he keeps talking about, which will lead to behaviors, is that that put into practice. Okay, so your thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to behaviors. Whether you're five years old or 80 years old, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, it's the same process. This is science. I'm reading a book right now called Atomic Habits by James Clear, incredible book. In the introduction, he said, do you want to create habits in your life? He goes, it starts with your thoughts, and then it goes to your feelings, and then it goes to your behavior. Like, this is how the world works. So let's play this out a little bit. One of the things that I know men struggle with, but I also know women do as well, is they think, do I have what it takes? Like that's that question that rattles in their mind. So then that, do I have what it takes? Let's say you feel like you don't have what it takes. The feelings of, I think anxiety follows that, but I think insecurity, which leads to the behavior is the reason why you work 80 hours a week so that you could prove to the world that you do have what it takes. Teenagers, I'm not just gonna give your parents a hard time. Teenagers, their thought is, am I liked? Am I accepted? which by the way, your parents actually think the same thing, but don't tell them I told you that. But am I liked or am I accepted? So here's the feelings. I think some of that is anxiety, but a lot of it's insecurity, which is the reason why you live on social media waiting for that next dopamine rush of why you keep posting over and over and over again. I think sometimes when we come to our thoughts, let's get away from the soul a little bit. God doesn't answer prayers. Like, I prayed for that job. I prayed for that baby. I prayed for that cancer to go away. God doesn't answer prayers. The feelings is of despair, so the behavior is you stop pursuing after God. Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. You can't find him because of a thought that began because of a prayer that didn't get answered. You guys want to know, like, a deep counseling session? Start with your behavior why do you spend so much money on Amazon? Like, why do you have a drinking problem? Why do you binge Netflix? Trace it back to a thought. That's your homework this week. That's tough homework, but do it. All right, so here's what we do. If everything comes back to your thoughts, what do we have to do? First thing we have to do is remove the thought, okay? You have to remove the thought. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul talks about strongholds. I remember when I was battling anxiety and depression, I felt like it was a stronghold in my life. Like, I just feel like I could not win the battle. And then Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and then we take captive every thought. I did not think that I could actually take a thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. You have power over your thoughts. You take that thought, you put handcuffs on it, you throw it in jail, you lock away the key. You have power over over your thoughts. So that you have to remove the thought, but it's not enough to remove the thought. You have to replace the thought. You have to replace the thought with something. So what do we replace the thought with? One of the verses that we keep coming back, I bet it's been on this screen for four straight weeks now. Romans 12, 2. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So the pattern of this world is everyone has anxiety. Welcome to 2022. So you take CBD gummies or you smoke marijuana or you know, if it's a beer, have, you know, and you, that doesn't work, have six. Or if it's a glass of wine, have a bottle. Like, that is the pattern of this world. That is the solution to anxiety. But then Paul says, but be transformed. That's that caterpillar into a butterfly. By the renewing of your mind. I'm going to come back to that word right there. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Pop back one slide. That renewing of your mind. You know that renewing of your mind is actually a scientific word? It means neuroplasticity. Like your mind has the power 
to regenerate itself. So check this out. Your ability of your brain to change in response to your thinking. It's how you store memories. That's how you learn new skills. When you tied your shoes for the first time, you remember how hard it was? And now this morning you put it on and it was done. Why? Because you had a neural pathway created in our mind. So what do we do? We can remove the thought and we replace the thought. What do we replace the thought with? The truth of God's word. I have read the book of James, I don't know how many times, and I did not see this verse. Check out this verse. Receive with meekness the implanted word. I love the, just the visual picture of that, that neural pathway. And guess what? It has the power to save your souls. Like that is so, when we say read your Bible, we don't say out of legalism or that's just what Christians are supposed to do. It has the power to save your souls. So Dr. Caroline Reap wrote another book. This book is about nine years old, and this is the book that I read coming out of anxiety. The end of 2015, or beginning of 2016, I picked up this book and I started kind of fighting back with my anxiety. She said this, and I, ooh, I almost threw the book up in the air, it's so good. He says, our genetic makeup fluctuates by the minute based on what we are thinking. That's your neuroplasticity. So what you think about. So every single day, if you believe that you are stupid and you wake up, I am dumb because somebody in third grade told you that, you actually have a neural pathway that is created that says you are stupid and you actually believe it, that you are worthless. You don't have what it takes. When you think that, a neural pathway gets created. Clearly then, following the advice of Philippians 4 8, whatsoever things are true and lovely and pure, will have a profound healing and regenerative impact on our bodies and minds by affecting our genetic expression. Basically, he's saying you can change how you think. You can change your mind. And then she said this. A time is coming when medical practitioners will include admonitions like Philippians 4 8 and Romans 12 2 on their prescription pads could you imagine you walk into the doctor? Doc, I'm struggling with anxiety. All right, here's the deal. Philippians 4.8. Here's what I want you to do. Every time anxiety comes in, I want you to start thinking what is true and what is lovely and what is pure. And when you do that, you can actually win the battle for your anxiety. Doc, I'm struggling with fear. Well, Isaiah 41 speaks into that. Do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be afraid for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. That's what I want you to say every time fear starts gripping your life. That is the power of the word of God. So what have I said today? This is what I truly believe with all of my heart. If you change your thinking, you will change your life. If you change your thinking, you will change your marriage. You will change how you parent. You will change how you live out your singleness. You will change how you live out your teenage years. They're really, really hard, but you gotta change your thinking. In this book, she gives a 21-day brain detox plan. In a nutshell, it's remove the thought and replace the thought. She actually tells you to walk around with a little notebook in your, hand, in your pocket, and every time a toxic thought comes in your mind, you remove that thought with truth, replace it with truth. So that's all you do for 21 days, and new neural pathways will be created. I've had so many conversations, just even after these messages of people walking up and going, I have struggled with anxiety for so long. I want to try it. And here's what I would say to you. What do you have to lose? Try it for 21 days. Just remove the thought and replace the thought. One of my favorite musicians. He passed away. He's a great songwriter. His name was Rich Mullins. He said this, and it is so true. He said, the hardest part of being a Christian is that it is every day. 
Like, do you know how easy it is to be a Christian on Sunday here? Like, you get out of your car, and there's someone in a red shirt smiling at you. Then you get a free cup of coffee. The, the red shirts are, like, unbelievable. You guys are so kind. All, all, and then you walk in here, and you worship at our, our campuses are amazing. And then Pastor Danny gives you a word, and you're like, woo, I can be a Christian. And then you walk in to work on Monday, and your boss says you're a bum. You don't have what it takes. Like, you're not going to do anything. You remember what was said to you in fifth grade. You remember what your stepmom said to you. It's hard, but you got to fight back 21 days. We are three weeks from the end of July. Three weeks, that's all I'm asking. Watch what happens to your anxiety and your depression. So here's my question. What thought do you need to remove and replace? What thought do you need to remove and replace? Dr. Ken, in one of our last sessions, he said, there's one master lie banging around in everyone's head. And if you take the head off that lie, you will find complete freedom. And I was like, man, that is so good. And, I, and then I started thinking, what's the, what's the one lie that just keeps showing up in my mind over and over and over again? And I just made a list because maybe these are some of your lies that are banging around in your head. I am flawed. Some of you, deep down, you believe that you are flawed. And you know what is truth? You are made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27. Process that. You were made in the image of God. That is truth. Get rid of that thinking. Here's, a, here's another one. I am forgotten. You are not forgotten. You are chosen. Read Isaiah 44 about being chosen. Read John chapter 15. Jesus says, I chose you to bear much fruit. He chose you. I am worthless. Some of you feel like you are worthless. Here's the truth. You are so valuable. I can just see Jesus smiling and laughing when he had this conversation. In Matthew 10, he says, do you know that I take care of the sparrows? Like, your father takes care of the sparrows. Like, do you know how valuable you are? That's Matthew chapter 10. How about this one? I am not wanted. Some of you feel deep down that you are not wanted because of something that happened to you or a choice you made. This is truth, that you are loved, and you are loved unconditionally. Psalm 23, surely goodness and faithful love will pursue you every single moment of your life. That is truth. You want to know what my master lie is? I cut its head off and sometimes it comes back. But this is true. I am not enough. That's why sometimes it comes back and I'm like, I am not enough. And you know what I come back to? No, no. I am enough. Why? Because I'm the child of the king. For seven years, probably almost every single day, I say this same statement so that a neural pathway is created that I am the son of the living king, that I am chosen and I am loved. I just repeat it over and over. When anxiety comes up on me, when depression comes up on me, I am the son of the living king. That's truth. I am loved. I am chosen. That's what I keep coming back to. So what is your master lie? I'm going to end with one verse. It's found in Romans chapter 8. If you are struggling with despair, if you are struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with maybe you just don't feel like you have hope, read Romans 8. Like that is your homework. It starts out with, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Ugh, it's a, such an amazing verse. It bookends with no height, no death. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. And then right in the middle of Romans 8, this verse appears. It says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. So what God's saying is, I didn't send my son and give you my spirit so that you live in fear or bondage of anxiety or depression or whatever mental health battle. That is not the purpose. That is not the abundant life 
that is found. He says this, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father. You know what that Abba Father means in today's term, 2022 English? It's so intimate. Daddy. It means daddy. Like we get a call the God of the universe, daddy. At 3 a.m. when you're struggling with anxiety, you can go, daddy, I need your help. There is no other religious system in the world, Hindu, Buddhism, Islam, nothing, that you get a call the God of the universe, daddy. And that's what he wants you to call him. The gospel, I think sometimes we reduce it down to, I get to go to heaven one day when I die. No, the gospel right now is God sent his son. He loves you so much. So that you can go to heaven one day when you die. But guess what? You can have an abundant life right here, right now. C.S. Lewis says, the son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. Isn't that good? That's the gospel. Let me say it again. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And I think sometimes we go to the gospel, I get to go to heaven. No, right now you can have a relationship with Jesus. You know how many times that I've come back and when I'm battling anxiety, depression, whatever that looks like, that I could go, daddy, I need you. And so maybe in this room right now, if I were to say, tell me who you are. Dr. Ken looked at me, he said, tell me who you are. And I said, you know, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan and, you know, I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I'm an uncle and I'm a friend. He goes, no, tell me who you are. And I go, I'm the son of the king. And he goes, exactly. And that's how you're going to win the battle with your anxiety. So when fear seems to be gripping you, oh, you got to come back to who you are as a child of God. So if I were to ask you, who are you? What would you say? Would you be able to say, I'm the daughter of the king? Would you be able to say, I'm the son of the king? God wants you. So what I wanna do, maybe it's you in this room right now, and you can't say, I'm the son of the king, I'm the daughter of the king. I just wanna give you an opportunity to step into that relationship. I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer. It's, the prayer doesn't save you, it's the posture of your heart that saves you. So will you join me if you're ready to step into that relationship with God right now? Let's pray together. So Father, I want to call you Daddy. I want you to come into my life and save me right here, right now. I have made a mess of my life, but because of the cross, you have covered that. So I wanna say, I am giving you my life right now. Paul says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. So right now, I am confessing that you are Lord of my life. From now, July 10, 2022. And I believe 2,000 years ago, you conquered death in the grave so that I can have a relationship with you. So thank you, Jesus, for saving give God glory for what just happened at all of our campuses in our room. Praise the Lord. So we actually have something we call a save box for you. 
And in this box, it's kind of like a starter kit. If you text the word SAVE to 65248, you can get this box. So if you're at our campuses, stop by the info table. If you're online, give us a little more information. I'll follow up with you personally this week, just guide you on your next steps. But inside is a new believer's Bible. There's next steps. There's a coffee mug. So make sure you text SAVE to 65248. Can we give God praise one more time? All right, your thoughts lead to your feelings. Let's lead to your behavior. So you got to go attack those thoughts. You got to remove the thought and you got to replace the thought. And listen to me right now. If you're struggling with anxiety and depression, reach out. We have a counseling center. We have campus pastors. They want to be there to help you. So will you, will you pray with me? And then I'll pass it to our local teams. So Father, thank you for the freedom that you are going to give the people in this room at our campuses watching online, our e-microsites. We're believing you for more, that that abundant life is ours for the taking. Help us, God, capture our thoughts. Replace the thoughts of truth found in the Word of God. Believing you for more in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll pass it down to our local teams.